So what do you fear? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of uh, anything? Are you afraid of everything? If I'd asked you at the beginning of the year, what would have been your biggest fear as midnight ticked over on the 31st of December? And that's all changed now, hasn't it? Because in the new year, we started to hear reports surfacing from China of a new and infectious virus named COVID-19. We followed the news as the spread moved around the world and then alarmingly, a large number of deaths because COVID-19 was no ordinary flu. It was more infectious, long incubation time and deadly. Comparison arose for the 1918 Spanish flu that killed millions worldwide and here in New Zealand in March we went into lockdown. Even this week things have changed. And so if I ask you today what you feared most, I'm thinking that it would be different than at the beginning of the year and that COVID-19 might be up there as something that worries you. However, in all our fears, God sees, he knows and he cares. He knows that we are broken people and that we live in a broken world. He has not left us alone in these disrupted times. Now, I've mentioned this before, and I just love the fact that in their Bible, there is 365 verses that encourage us not to fear, to help us deal with our fears. That's one verse for every day of the year. It's a tremendous blessing, isn't it? And so today in in Psalm 27, we're going to look at two of those verses that help us deal with our fear and how, in fact, David dealt with his fears. So Psalm 27, if you turn to it, if you've got your Bible, open up in the sheet so we can follow along. Psalm 27 is attributed to David, who was once a shepherd boy, but was raised up to be king of God's people, of Israel. But not only was David a great warrior king, but he was also a young man who had a heart after God. And that heart often expressed itself in his composing and performing music. He even performed in the royal court before his rise to fame. And so, why does David write this particular psalm? What's the occasion? What's the context? Well, David is up against it. He has adversaries surrounding him, enemies on every side, fears assail him. It could well be that he was on the run from King Saul, the preceding king. Many of us know the story how as David, before he was king, rose up the ranks as chief commander, but Saul was was insanely jealous and tried to kill him. So David's on the run, and Saul and his army is chasing after David and a small band of supporters, and David doesn't know amongst the locals who will help him and who will betray him. And so in all likelihood, this is the context on which David is writing this psalm. We even remember that time when David and his men were hiding in a cave, and Saul and his whole army came to the cave, and Saul entered the cave. David has been assailed by all sides. And so we read verse 3 of Psalm 27. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war raise against me, yet I will be confident. And so here's the first of the two verses in Psalm 27 that address fear. Even when faced with multiple fears surrounding David, he would not fear. He chose not to fear. Common sense would say, you need to fear, David. This is drastic. But he was saying, no, my confidence is in God. I will not fear. And so where does he gain that confidence from? 
Well, there were three solid reasons in the very first verse. See if you can pick up the three reasons in Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So this is the second verse that talks about fear. And so notice that David has very three very solid reasons not to fear. First of all, God is his light. God is David's salvation. And God is David's fortress, his stronghold. And we're going to unpack those three this morning. But before we do, notice the personal pronoun, my. My fears are held in check, not because God is the light, which is true, but because God is my light, which is personal. My fears are quenched not because he is someone else's salvation, but because God is my salvation. Again, it's very personal. And my fears are overcome not because he's a distant stronghold on a hill far away, but because he's my fortress in my heart and in my life. And this is why David did not fear, because all these abstract ideas had become very personal for David. So let's explore each of these three, starting with God is my light. Now, God is often associated with light and for a number of good reasons. It's because of his beauty and his glory. They shine like the noonday sun. And just like the sun, God's far too dazzling for us to directly stare at. You may remember the story in Exodus of Moses and Moses had been on Mount Sinai and God had sort of veiled himself in the clouds and David said, I want to see your face. And in Exodus 33, verse 20, God replies. He said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And so on Mount Sinai, where Moses had received the law, God hid Moses in the cleft of a rock. And then God's presence passed by and God allowed Moses to see his back and not the fullness of the glory of God. You see, God's glory is brighter than the noonday sun. If you're foolish enough to stare at a summer noonday sun, then after a few minutes you will have permanent damage to your eyes and you'll eventually go blind. God is even more glorious than that, that in his full, unfiltered presence we would die. Well, we also know that light, not only being dazzling bright, but light also banishes the darkness. Have you noticed that? Probably something you don't think about. The dark always gives way to the light. Darkness never pushes back. Darkness cannot resist the light. If you turn a light on in a dark and empty room, there are never little patches of darkness up in the corner, you know, or hanging around just up there or there. All of the darkness is banished by light. And it's the same with God. God is light because he expels all our fears in the same way that light expels darkness. If we open up our fears to the living God, his light chases away our fear. And in John's Gospel, we're told that Jesus himself is the light. In John chapter 1, verse 9, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And Christ is that representation of God's light. We couldn't look at God directly, but we could and can look at Jesus. And Peter, James, and John saw this in a very literal way when Jesus was on a mountain. God revealed Jesus' glory for the disciples. And so the disciples saw in Matthew 17, verse 2, that Jesus was transfigured before them. 
and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Jesus is the light that banishes our fears and by his light we can see the great love of our heavenly father. So this is the first of three reasons why David could overcome his fears because God was David's light. And the second rock-solid understanding that David has was that God was his salvation. Remember the first verse in Psalm 27, the first part, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You see, David knew God as his saviour. Time and time again, David had trusted in God with his fears and God had never let him down. As a shepherd boy, David faced a bear with just a sling and a few stones and he chased the bear away. Another time, it was a lion and he trusted in God. God came through. And listen to how he boasts about how God was his saviour. Now the situation is Goliath is terrorising the army of God's people. And God's people and King Saul, they're too scared to go out against Goliath the giant. But this young boy, teenager, probably 18, 19, he comes to visit his brothers who are in the army and he starts to say, well, why doesn't someone fight? I'll do it. And he has an audience with King Saul who tries to talk him out of it. But listen to David, how he's boasting in God. It's 1 Samuel uh, verse, or chapter 17, verse 37. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. You see, David knew God was his saviour. God had saved him from a bear and from a lion and he would save him from the giant, the Philistine. And then Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And we know the story. Only took one stone. And Goliath was toppled. And yet again, David knew God as his saviour. And it's the same for us. Christ our Lord is the one who saved us. He saved us from sin and death, the great giants of fear that have terrorised humanity since creation. But Jesus has defeated those giants, sin and death, and he will defeat the giants in your life of fear. And we have this sure and steadfast knowledge that Christ saved us in the past, he will save us from our fears now. Colossians 1.13, wonderful verse. For God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. He brings us out of Satan's dominion where fear reigns. Fear reigns in Satan's kingdom and bondage and darkness. But all those who look to Jesus have been transferred, have been moved out of the dominion of darkness into the dominion of Christ, our Heavenly Father's dear Son. So on that first Good Friday, Christ went down to the grave, defeated darkness and rose on the third day in all his glory and splendour. And we are invited into this life, resurrected life. We need not give in to fears because Christ came to rescue us from them. And he does this because Christ is also our stronghold, our fortress, and we see this at the second part of uh, Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Christ is our stronghold. As I was thinking about this, I came across an illustration, which really, I think, helped me anyway understand a bit more of what it's like to have God as our refuge. The story goes something like this. A, sto a farmer 
was out and about very early one morning when he heard some barking. He looked up and saw two dogs in the distance chasing a young deer. Now the young deer was running towards him and was nearly spent and the dogs were closing in. And with one last burst of energy, the deer, the fawn, picked itself up and jumped over a low fence to where the farmer was. And just as the dogs were jumping over the fence, the deer nudged its way towards the farmer and put her head between his legs. And before he knew what he was doing, the farmer picked the deer up and held her towards his chest as the dogs were barking, and he used his feet to push away the dogs. Later he said this, Just then I felt that all the dogs in the districts could not capture this fawn, who in her weakness had appealed to my strength. And the farmer, who was a Christian, reflects like this, So it is in our fear, in our helplessness, when we appeal to God Almighty. He becomes our fortress. I remember well when the hounds of sin were after my soul, then at last I ran into the arms of God Almighty and was kept safe. Isn't there a wonderful illustration of how our Heavenly Father is our refuge and our fortress and our rock? You see, Jesus came not only to show the compassion of his Heavenly Father, but also his power to save. God is mighty to save. He is our rock, rejected by many, but who has become the cornerstone. Christ, the cornerstone stone, the foundation of the fortress we run into. And as I mentioned before, next week I'll be preaching in Ephesians from Christ as our cornerstone, the foundation of the fortress we run into. And in 1 Peter, Peter, he also is exploring this whole idea and he pulls together a couple of Old Testament quotes that are quite helpful. 1 Peter chapter 2, 6 and 7, about how Christ is our cornerstone of our refuge and stronghold. And this Old Testament quote from the Psalms, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And that's referring to Jesus. And again, the second quote from the prophets, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus is our rock, cornerstone, refuge and stronghold, whom we run to when we fear. And so these then are the three rock-solid reasons why David had confidence, even when all of Saul's army and some of the locals were against him, his adversaries. Why he had all these fears, yet he had confidence in God. The question is, how do we make these our own? It's all very well if it's in the pages of the Bible, but there's always a step of how we get it from the pages of the Bible into our head, into our heart. Well, the wonderful thing is that David shows us how. David shows how we can make these confidences in God real in our life. And he does that in verse 4. Verse 4 of Psalm 27. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You see, the way to overcome our fears, to know God as our light, our salvation and fortress, is to seek after and be intentional about gazing on the beauty of Christ. In our faith, no matter how weak or no matter how strong it is, there needs to be an ongoing sense of wonder in all that Jesus has done for us. If we lose that wonder, if we start taking for granted 
all that Christ did. It stunts our spiritual life and we find ourselves drifting away from God. So this is how David connected to God. You might call it replacement therapy. When you're addicted, you don't just stop. You replace your addiction with good habits. It's the same with fear. We don't just make our fears go away. We replace it. What do we replace it with? We replace it with our eyes being fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down on the right hand of the Father. So we don't just wrestle with our fears to throw them out. We fix our eyes and gaze upon the beauty of Jesus. Now I need to unpack this because in uh, Psalm 27, it uses the word tabernacle, the presence of God. In David's day, uh, in Jerusalem, there was a tent place of worship called the tabernacle. And in there was the Holy of Holies and the presence of God. And in David's day, if you wanted to be in the presence of God, if you wanted to gaze on the beauty of God, you needed to go to that physical place, that tent. Later on, his son Solomon uh, built a temple to replace that. But in David's day, it was a, a, a temple tent. And so David would physically go to this place, and he would pray, and he would sing, and he would worship, and gaze on the beauty of God. But we have so much more freedom than David. You see, because Christ dies and rose again, we as people do not now have to go to a physical temple in Jerusalem to gaze upon the presence of God. This is what we'll be covering next week in Ephesians. But what's happened is that the Holy Spirit now dwells in us, not just individually, but us as a church. And so we have this wonderful freedom to gaze upon the beauty of Jesus so that when we go to church and we're caught up in one of those glorious Charles Wesley or John Wesley hymns, and just love those words, and we're caught up in the presence and gaze on, on the beauty of God. But we don't just do that in church, we do that in our own devotional times. We're in the Word, or in prayer, or as we reflect, we're caught up in the wonder. Now, it doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes our devotional times are hard work, and God expects us to discipline ourselves, but there, there should be, there must be times when in your own personal devotional walk, you gaze on the beauty of God. And it can be that you're out in creation and you just turn a corner like Jim and I did yesterday in a new walk and it was just glorious and God sings his praises in your gaze. Or in the laughter of a child and you see the beauty of Jesus. Or a young couple that are madly in love, besotted, hopeless, really. <laughs> but there is the beauty of God even, even there. And it's when we gaze on the beauty of Christ in all these ways that our fears melt away. And this is the cry of David's heart in verse 8. In verse 8, listen to this. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. And that's the cry of David's heart. The word of God says, come and seek me. Come. And David's reply is, I can't wait. I seek your face. I want to gaze upon your glory and your wonder. And so if you want to conquer your fears, if you want God to be your light, your salvation, your fortress, then learn, increase your capacity to be able to gaze on the beauty of Jesus. And uh, this is again reflected in the Beatitudes. Uh, 
as one of the Beatitudes came to my mind and it was this one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. There's an assurance here that our hunger for the beauty of God will not be left wanting. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for being right with God, who, who want to connect with God, who want to gaze upon his beauty, because if that is your heart's desire, you will be satisfied. So let me finish with justice. There's one thing that you take away from this morning's message is that it's this. Gazing upon the beauty of Christ will dispel every fear because Christ is our light, our salvation and our very great stronghold. And it's once our hearts are captivated by Christ that our fears melt away. Let's pray. 